great stuff. I love, <laughs> I love simple answers, right? <laughs> He's not gonna, he, will he forsake it? No, he won't. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, of course not. We, we worry a little. I don't know about the rest of you, but I was born and raised in snow country, and I never learned to love it. <laughs> I spent the first almost 40 years of my life living where there was snow. Um, in some cases, it snowed by Halloween, and the last snow was almost Easter. We spent months and months with the white stuff that everybody says, oh, I wish it would just snow. And I never learned to ski or ice skate or snowmobile or any of the stuff you do in snow. So for me, it was always shovel or get the snowblower out. Um, I don't entirely miss it. I had people when I moved here say, actually, I don't miss it at all. I had people when I moved here, I'll give it time, you'll miss the snow. Well, I moved here 20 years ago last November, and so far, no missing of snow. But the worst part of the snow for me is the ice, all right? I hate ice. Uh, it's, it's embarrassing along with dangerous, all right? You, you, when, when you run a snowblower, you, can't, you don't ever generally scrape it all the way to the to the driveway, you know, there's just this little tiny, you know, quarter inch or so, and that becomes ice, or you find random patches of ice, and uh, you, you learn afresh the meaning of the word breakdancing. It was my experience, right? Because you desperately try not to fall, which of course only makes it worse, and unceremoniously you land, and it provides sore muscles and hurt bones and everybody else's entertainment. And uh, so I don't miss it. It's, for me, kind of the worst. But I get it. Everybody likes, like, okay, could we just have one nice snowfall at Christmas? Well, we didn't this year, so let's save our snow till next year. Um, but our series this year, that as we begin this year is called anchors and it is things that help us when we feel unstable because when I'm sliding in the snow and I'm trying desperately to get my footing what I want is something to hang on to what I need is something to keep me from falling and flailing around that's what this series is about so last week we talked about Christ as our anchor our hope is in him our confidence in him is in him we rest in Christ as one of our anchors in the midst of difficult times now listen I know difficult times come in different uh, strengths right different uh, different ways sometimes they're really horrible sometimes we have a sick kid pastor Mike is home because Michaela is sick uh, today and sometimes that just throws everything off just a little bit I can tell you pastor Mike is chomping at the bit no pastor sits at home on a Sunday feeling like oh this is really a nice break that isn't how it works for us it feels really weird uh, especially when you're not the one that's sick <laughs> and uh, so so pray for Michaela pray for pastor Mike but some of the other things that make us unstable and insecure in life are way bigger and they last longer their job insecurity or their whatever it is relationship difficulties or physical issues there are a lot of things that can cause us great uncertainty we're about to head into a year that politically is going to be as bad as it's ever been right there's going to be arguing and fighting and carrying on and that's not even the debates right that's that's just at home over the dinner table maybe or at work it's it's a mess we are as divided as a country as we've ever been 
And we're going to have a country where half of us are going to be disappointed in the election because it's been that way for the last couple of times, right? It, we just, there's all this uncertainty. And of course, if our person doesn't win, the sky is going to fall. Or so we want everyone else to think. So what do we do when we face life with a bit of uncertainty or a lot of uncertainty? I'm going to begin today by reading through a part of a chapter from the Old Testament that's going to sound a little weird, so hang with me, and uh, we're going to come back around and work our way through it. It's from Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the, the text I was given, and so I'm, I'm working from this, and we're going to touch on a few other passages, but we're going to talk about the Word of God as our next anchor in uh, uncertain times. Our, we need to be anchored to Christ. We need to be anchored to the Word of God. So this is uh, uh, something that happened, a vision that uh, Isaiah had. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come on them and skin had covered them, but there was no life in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet in an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. So that's our first clue. This is a vision that Isaiah has had. And it is intended for him to understand the people of Israel were saying, it is just a mess right now. We're so dried up, our hope is lost. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, to Israel, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from among your graves, O my people, and I'll put my spirit within you. And you'll live, and I'll place, place you in your own land, and you will know that I'm the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. I know that just sounds weird, right? We don't think in terms of those kinds of visions happening, a valley full of dry bones scattered all over the place, and then they come back. That sounds like a, like a Hollywood movie kind of thing, right? What I want to focus on is the fact that it was the word of the Lord, which in that case was a spoken word of the Lord, 
but it was the word of the Lord that brought life out of death. It brought life into bodies even after it had all come back together and they were lifeless. It's the word of the Lord spoken that brought life. So I want to give several things for you to fill in on your bulletin there. The first is this, God's word gives life. It's intended to do that. I fear we sometimes look at the Bible as our list of rules and our list of restrictions and our list of things that if we want to if we want to do the right thing, here's your here's how you make sure you do it, right? It's the word of God that's intended to give us life. We don't come to this book so that we can find out what we're supposed to do. We, we come to this book to learn about our Heavenly Father, to find out what He's like, to learn about His character, certainly to learn about His will for us as well. But it gives life. Verses 7 and 8, I prophesied, I was commanded, and so He gives this picture of all these bones coming together. And the bones come together, and the muscles and the sinew comes on them, and flesh comes on them, and now there's just a bunch of dead bodies laying there, which isn't a whole lot better than dry bones, but a little bit maybe less scary. I don't know. And then he says, prophesy, speak over them the word of the Lord. And then they come to life. Bones were covered with flesh, still no life. Listen, I think there are a lot of people around us that are walking around, they're alive, but they aren't living. They aren't really living. What did Jesus say in John 10? I've come that they might have life. They already were alive, but he was coming to give life. And that comes through the word of God. Life abundantly comes when I give my attention to the things of God in the word of God. Because just as surely as when Ezekiel spoke the word of the Lord, that's what this is, right? The Bible, the Bible tells us where it came from. It was inspired of God. It was breathed out by God, and men wrote it down just as God told them to. So this is the word from the Lord, just as surely as if God had said to some person, here's what I want you to say for me. That, that has to do with the appearance of life. So, so here's why we're so insistent around here on the issue of the gospel, because people who are alive but haven't responded rightly to the gospel, they, they are like dead men walking, right? They are physically alive but not spiritually alive. So the word of God gives life to those who have the appearance of life, but the kind of life it gives is spiritual life. Is Romans 1, 16 to 17 up here on the screen? All right, let me just grab it quick and read it. Oh, good deal. There we go. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It, is, it brings spiritual life. Now, when Jesus was talking with his disciples one time, he was talking about how difficult it is for a rich person to enter heaven. It was a pretty long conversation recorded for us in Matthew uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 19, but it comes to the end, and Jesus makes a comparison. He said, it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than it is for a, an elephant, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I read somewhere years ago that there was a group of people who took a camel 
and found the largest needle they could and made sure that they could figure out how to get it all the way through there, which only tells me some people have way too much time on their hands. Because that wasn't the point, of course. It was talking about the fact that when we are unusually wealthy, we have a tendency to depend on our wealth, and you cannot do that. And it is difficult. And so the disciples' response was, well, then, how is this possible? And Jesus said, with man, it is not. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's possible through the gospel, through faith in the word of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we come to faith, we trust in Jesus, and the word gives us life. Secondly, the word gives us purpose and guidance. Are you, are you into New Year's resolutions? What's your, what's your purpose? I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I, I, I kind of watch. I think it's kind of funny how busy all the gyms look for January, right? They just look like people are crowding in there. And by mid-February, it's back to the same old, same old, right? Because we make resolutions and we think, oh, i got to do this. I'm going to do this this year. I'm going to make this happen. And it doesn't happen. I wonder what you think about your purpose in life. Ecclesiastes 12, you get to the end of this whole book, which is kind of depressing in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's, it's Solomon going through all of this stuff. I tried this, and I tried this, and I tried this, and I tried this, and it didn't work. Here's the end of the matter, he says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's why God put us here. Let me make it simple for you, he says. Fear God, fear the Lord, keep his commandments. Ephesians 2.10, we're familiar with Ephesians 2.8.9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We quote that one, and we should always go on to verse 10, which says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works don't get us saved, they're the proof that we are. And so we want to be faithful to serve God. What is my purpose? It's to do what God has made me to do. What are one of the things? What's one of the things? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm back to the gospel again, but Matthew chapter 18, we're told what the marching orders are for the church, for the disciples. He, he said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. Right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. How am I going to teach them everything that uh, he has commanded me? Well, I start by learning everything he has commanded me. It's found in the scriptures. So the scriptures become my anchor. Gives me purpose and helps me to know where I am going. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of my most favorite parts about getting on through December is now the days are getting longer again. Just a little bit at a time. But man, at our house, we're already noticing, hey, it's after 5 o'clock. It's almost 5.30 and there's still light. <laughs> I'm like loving that. Because you can't see where you're going in the dark. You need a lamp for your feet you need a light to see where you're going. God doesn't promise to give us the word of God so that we'll see everything in the whole big picture, but he does give us enough to see here's where I need to go next. 
So the word of God gives me purpose and it gives me guidance. Now, I should have switched the next two because as I look at them, I just feel like they would have been that way. But I'm going to drop down to verse 12 in Ezekiel chapter 37 and read this. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from my graves, your graves, O my people. The word of God gives us victory. I love that the word of God can give us victory. Victory when things are hard. Victory when we're struggling with things. Because it helps to see what needs to change. Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is living and active, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides between bones... uh, the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God helps me to see. And so that's why James talks about looking into the mirror of the word and letting it do its work to change us, to make us different. So the word of God is giving us victory over things that we're struggling with in our life by first of all pointing out what needs to change and secondly equipping us to win. Equipping us to win over sin. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there's this, it's, it's a lengthy discussion in, in the whole chapter that talks about people who've been trapped in sinful behavior. And it describes them at one point as having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, We read, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. That's the scriptures that Paul's talking about, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given. That's what I quoted earlier. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is profitable for teaching, giving me instruction on what I need to do, for reproof, for calling me out when I'm doing what I shouldn't, for correction, for helping me to know how to get back on the path to righteousness and holiness. And what's the last one? And for training in righteousness. So It teaches me where to go. It lets me know when I've got off the path. It helps me to get back on the path, and then it trains me to stay on the path, which, by the way, is one of the main reasons we have small groups, (laughs) because it puts other people around us so we're not living on an island, and we help keep each other on that same path. We help interact with each other. God will not let us be tempted, 1 Corinthians 10 says, beyond what we're able So am I struggling with some kind of habitual sin? Am I feeling hopeless or trapped in some sort of addiction? Am I hesitating at some point of obedience? It is the scriptures where I find what I should do. So I need to be under the hearing of the word of God. I need to be in a small group. I need to develop accountability so that people can turn me to the scriptures. Fourthly, the word of God gives us hope. That's why I said I should have switched it, because now it's back in verse 11 of 
Ezekiel 37, he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. Every once in a while you feel that way, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. Every once in a while we feel like this is just hopeless. I am spinning my wheels, I'm working hard, and nothing's happening. That's an evidence of hope being lost. But God never goes back on a promise. I love that reality. That's what enabled Abraham to be so confident. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham's faith, and it, it describes him as being confident in what God had said he would do, beginning in verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. That's what God promised to Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. He did not have the kid yet. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. His hope was in God because God had promised, and it was against all reason, against all reasonable hope. Abraham, you're 100 years old. You're not going to have that many descendants. But in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He didn't weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. I don't, mean, I don't think that means he was like ill. In fact, he lived several decades longer. But he was 100 years old. And Sarah was barren. She was 90. I know they lived longer in the Old Testament, but 90-year-olds don't have babies. 100-year-old men don't father children, even in Abraham's day. No unbelief, verse 20 says, made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced God was able to do what he promised. He got that hope because he rested on the word of God to him. What had God said? I can trust that. I can count on that. I can have faith. God never goes back on a promise, and he always accomplishes his purpose. Always accomplishes his purpose. So if the wrong person, whoever that is in your mind, ends up in the office of president this next cycle around, we haven't lost. I had someone come to me, I forget even which time it was. Well, this happened and this happened and this happened. If that's true, we've, we've lost. I said, we've lost what? Our confidence is in God accomplishing his purpose. Isaiah 46, God says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. God will accomplish everything he has said he will. And Job acknowledged to God, I know you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And Romans 15 says this, it is through the endurance and encouragement of Scripture that we have hope. So we're living with our lives anchored to Christ, but we also have the Word of God. 
that we rest in and we have confidence in and we learn everything we need to know so that we can have hope in the promise of God and trust in his purpose and we can have purpose. So this year, with all its unanswered questions, it doesn't matter whether the stock market rises or falls because God has promised in his word to provide my every need. It doesn't matter who sits in the White House because the Bible says Jesus sits on the throne. I don't need to despair if I have friends who don't treat me right because the Bible describes Jesus as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't need to even worry whether I'll end up in heaven through death this year because according to 1 Corinthians 15, this mortal body will put on immortality and death will be swallowed up in victory. All of those things I find in the scriptures. So we have hope, we have confidence, we have something to hang on to in the Word of God. So let me give you a, a, a couple of things to take with you. Faithfully be where you can hear the Word of God. That was the point of Ezekiel 37. It was the Word of God that accomplished all of that. It's the Word of God that does all the stuff I've talked about today, and I have to be where I can hear the Word of God. I, I don't. If I go and just sit on an island somewhere and read the Bible, that, that's not what God intended. He intended for me to be where I can hear the Word of God. Secondly, faithfully read and study the Word of God. I didn't check to see. I think at all of our campuses we received a guide, a, a Bible reading guide for this year. I think they're back there. It's a five-day-a-week plan. So here's what I like about that. Number one, I realize it is January 14th, so you're two weeks late in starting but you're only reading five days a week. So you start doing it, you read your five days, it gives you two days a week when you can either catch up because you skipped a day, because let's be honest, we do, or you can use those couple of days if you get on through and you want to just keep reading. Man, you know i got a week coming up, it's going to be busy, whatever it is. Grab one of those. It would be a really good exercise for you to read through the Bible this year. Uh, it's, it helps you with the big picture of things. It's a lot of reading. It's a lot of stuff to cover in a day. But it doesn't take you more than 10 minutes or so, 10 or 15 minutes a day, and you can get through that guide in a year. It'd be really useful. Faithfully, though, read and study the Scriptures and share what you learn with others. Faithfully share what you learn with other people. Again, that's one of the values of a small group. You get to interact together. Here's what I've been studying. Here's what I learned. Here's what this passage of Scripture really addressed in my life. Ezra, uh, a priest in the Old Testament during the time when they were rebuilding the temple and reinstituting worship in Jerusalem in Nehemiah's time, it was said this of him, the good hand of God was on Ezra because he had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach his statutes in Israel. The good hand of God is on me, yes, when I read it and study it. Yes, when I, when I have it, uh, it built into my life and I learn to obey it, like James talks about, right? I mean, don't just look into it and learn it. Look into it and learn it so you can do it. Those are good. I have to learn it. I have to do it. But it is useful for me to share it with other people, to teach other people. It's a healthy process for me. So be where I can hear the Word of God, read and study it for myself, and share it with other people. Those are really useful habits to develop relative to the Word of God because it is an anchor when things are uncertain, right? Listen, I'm going to pray, and uh, the team's going to come back up here, and we're going to sing another song as we get ready to close, and then I'll 
come back up and we'll dismiss our way. But man, let me pray before that. If you got uh, something you want to talk about or pray about, Clifton's up here. Let's uh, give yourself an opportunity. Maybe you just need to take a few minutes and say, man, I'm really struggling. Maybe you need to talk about the scriptures a little bit, whatever. We'd be happy to talk with you, share with you a bit. Uh, let's take advantage of the opportunity, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given it to us. It's a gift to us. It's not just something to make us uh, have another list that we can't keep up with. It's given to us to give us life, to give us purpose, to give us guidance, to give us victory. My Lord, all of those things are really important parts of what we need. And so I pray that you would uh, strengthen us in our commitment to the scriptures and in our in our love for the scriptures. We, we love you, Father, and we're grateful that you've spoken to us through your word. Help us to honor it and honor you through Jesus. We pray in his name.